0: So as I was preparing for um, my message this past week, I stumbled across this really cute poem. I just wanted to share it with you guys. I thought it was, um, it just, it touched me, and I, thought, I just thought it was cute. Every mom can totally relate to it. Um, if you give a mom a muffin. If you give a mom a muffin, she'll want a coffee to go with it. How many of you guys are coffeeholics? Yeah? Me too. It's bad. <laughs> she'll pour herself some. Her three-year-old will spill the coffee. She'll wipe it up. Wiping the floor, she'll find dirty socks. She'll remember she has to do the laundry. When she puts the laundry into the washer, she'll trip over boots and bump into the freezer. Bumping into the freezer will remind her she has to plan for supper. She will get out a pound of hamburger. She'll look for her cookbook, 101 Things to Cook with a Pound of Hamburger. The cookbook is sitting under a pile of mail. She will see the phone bill, which is due tomorrow. She will look for her checkbook. The checkbook in her purse that is being dumped out by her two-year-old. She'll smell something funny. She'll change the two-year-old's diaper. While she is changing the diaper, the phone will ring. Her five-year-old will answer and hang up. She'll remember she wants to phone a friend for coffee. Thinking of coffee will remind her that she was going to have a cup, and chances are, if she has a cup of coffee, her kids will have eaten the muffin that went with it. (laughs) God definitely created such an amazing and unique design when he fashioned and formed mothers. Although, I know for myself, I was off to a rocky start. I was very young and selfish and immature as a young new mom. Not to mention, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. (laughs) But God, in his perfect grace, provided people in my life and resources for me to learn and be equipped to carry out his call of motherhood on my life. Every step of the way, he has, it has been a learning process, and it still is. I'd like to share with y'all today what God has done in my life and what he has been teaching me and how to be, a, be successful in motherhood. There are eight key points I would like to hit up today that I know have impacted my life, eight things we can do to help us strive for excellent parenthood. They have encouraged and challenged me to become the mom I need to be, and for the men, non-parents, and future parents, in this room, I want to encourage you that these principles are still applicable to you as well. So let's get started. The first key is to nurture your heart. I know from personal experience how much of a struggle this one can be. I stop and think I barely have time to eat and keep up with mountains of laundry and sleep. The laundry just piles up constantly. It just never stops. <laughs> There's always something to clean or something to do or homework that needs to be done. Um, but the the effort that nurturing your heart takes is so worth the investment. So what does this look like? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? This means that on our own, without Christ in us, we have sinful hearts. A sinful heart is no good to anybody. That's why Proverbs four twenty three says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This means that our heart must be cleansed and purified to work properly. We must be intentional about protecting our heart from sin. But we need help. Acts 15.9 says God cleanses our heart through faith. We are incapable of doing this on our own. It is only through the finished work of Christ on the cross and his saving power that we can have a renewed and restored heart. Our relationship with God through his son Jesus is the only way for us to accomplish this. It is the only hope we have. Faith in Him is what cleans our hearts and enables us to not just be a mother, but to be a mom. This is where it all begins a relationship with Christ. Without a right relationship with Him, the rest of your relationships will never thrive to the potential God has for them. This is why this must come first. Nurturing your heart means nurturing your relationship with Jesus. Staying in His Word daily is essential. All of Psalm 119 tells us constantly to stay in God's Word, to study it, memorize it, love it, cherish it, and obey it. We cannot reflect Christ to our children if we are not striving to hide His Word in our hearts. Devotionals in Christian literature are great supplemental reading, but let's be careful not to replace the Bible with these. God's Word is the only book that was written by the breath of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that is living and active and is sharp enough to have the ability to pierce our soul and spirit to expose the thoughts and innermost intentions of the heart. It will convict and challenge me and you and teach us how to be better. I know there is not a mom in this room that doesn't want to be the best mom she can for her child. God has provided us with every piece of information we need to be just that. Use it. Use good Christian books as well. Just use the Bible as your primary source. Throughout our time this morning, I will reference Jim and Elizabeth George often. Their book, A Mom After God's Own Heart, has greatly influenced me and the way I raise my children. She says the degree of our spiritual strength will be in direct proportion to the time we spend in God's Word. I'm going to repeat that because it took me a couple times before. I, it sunk into my brain. She says the, de- the degree of our spiritual strength will be in direct proportion to the time we spend in God's Word. So if you're tired, weary, lost, ask yourself, are you nurturing your heart? You see, we cannot effectively impart impart to our children what we do not possess ourselves. We simply cannot give them something that we do not have. How many of us know the common quote, do as I say and not as I do? I think we all know that's ridiculous. Our children are watching everything we do. It is our God-given responsibility to lead them by example. So meditate on his word daily, memorize it, hide it in your heart, and apply it to your life. Apply it to your parenting. Allow the power of prayer and scripture to shape and mold you to be a light for your kids. Nurture your heart. The second key is to teach your children God's word. Deuteronomy 6 and and 7, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children talk about them when you were at home and when you were on the road, when you were going to bed, and when you are getting up. I cannot stress the importance of this enough. I am a direct result of this very concept. My mom is here this morning, and I'm probably going to embarrass her just a little bit. <laughs> I was blessed enough to grow up with a grandmother and a mom after God's own heart myself. Standing here as an adult with this background, although my life isn't perfect and I am not perfect, I am thankful that I know where my hope comes from. It comes from the Lord. I'm standing here today to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus because of my mom's faithful, faithful obedience to commit herself wholeheartedly to the commands of God and to repeat them to her children and to talk about them at home and on the road when we were going to bed and we were, when we were getting up. You see, most kids growing up had um, Barney and Batman. My brother and I had Veggie Tales and Bible Man. Most families played Monopoly. Our family played Bible Monopoly. Most kids at bedtime were read nursery rhymes. We were read a children's Bible. Uh, most kids in the car and the radio listened to Hudson 95 and C101. We listened to DC Talk and Newsboys, and that was edgy for our families. <laughs> that might sound really nerdy, especially to those of you who grew up unchurched. But the reality is that kids need to be taught God's Word in order to resist temptation, to withstand trials and tribulations this world gives them, to know where to turn for comfort and guidance, And also so they can know how to parent your future grandchildren. As Christ followers, we should have an urgency stirring up inside us to instill Jesus into others, especially to the ones we love most. I remember as a young mother with each of my children, even as infants, reading the scriptures. I would sing them to Ryan as a lullaby. By the time Zachary was born, I was so in love with God's word that I read scripture to him as soon as I gave birth to him in the hospital. Psalm 103 was the first words he heard coming into this world. Skylar was in the NICU for nine days when she was born, so each day Felix and I would read to her through her incubator, setting that foundation as early as possible because of the importance. Even infants can recognize their mother's voice, and the words we speak to them are powerful. Maybe some of you have had children that are already grown up. Maybe they have have strayed or just aren't connected to God at all. I want to encourage you that it's never too late. There's no perfect parent, and we all make mistakes. But that's the beauty of the gospel, that despite our failures, God can still do a good work in and through us, and whatever your story looks like, God can redeem you and use it for his glory. So press on and keep praying for your lost children. Never give up. Keep leading by example and trust God. Isaiah 55 tells us, when we send out his word, it always produces fruit and it will accomplish all God wants it to and it will prosper everywhere he sends it. The third key is to talk to your children about God. Church, this is something that should come natural to us as Christians. It's human nature to talk about what we love. Jesus said that what, he sa- what we say flows from what's in our hearts. When we don't talk about God to our children, we send a loud message to our children that God really isn't that important. It baffles me the amount of adults I meet that have no real concept of God. If they even believe in his existence, he seems to be just that guy who kind of hangs out up in the sky with no real relevance to their life. This is such a dangerous concept to have. This perspective leaves us to make all our choices based off of our own good judgment. And scripture is clear that none of us are righteous. None of us do good on our own. We must have a Christ-centered perspective to thrive in life. This can't happen if we don't even acknowledge him. Teach your kids to talk to God also. Teach them how to pray. Show them you can talk to God just like a friend. Let them know he is always with them and he is always listening. If we do this consistently, it causes them to be aware of God's presence in our lives and teaches them a right perspective in life. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. He has commanded us to teach our children, not only so our Father in heaven may be glorified, but also so that your children and your family are, sh- are shaping a positive and right worldview that will stick with them for the rest of their lives. The fourth key is to tell your children about Jesus. Now this kind of ties in to number three, but yet there's some distinction. Especially within our culture today, it is important to distinguish to our children who God is. The world today tells us that all paths lead to God, and that all religions are the same, but that is not what Jesus teaches in the bible. Jesus said in John 14:6, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Romans 10:9 says, "If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved." This means that Christ is the answer. He is the goal. He is our source of life. John 14:7 said, "If you had known me, you would have known my Father also." You cannot know God without knowing his son Jesus. He is the only way to the Father. The determination of where all of us spend eternity, including our kids, depends on this very truth. What did you believe and accept about God's Son? Faith in Jesus is the most important event in the history of a child's life. I want you guys to really hear that. Faith in Jesus is the most important event in the history of a child's life. Amen? Yeah? It is crucial that we teach our kids this truth. The fifth key is to train your children in God's ways. Psalm 18:30 God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who take him to look to him for protection. God's word tells us to lovingly guide, teach and discipline our kids in his ways. Our children need love and words of encouragement and affection. They also need boundaries. These elements all have to be balanced properly but all need to work together to be effective. Setting boundaries and disciplining in love fairly when necessary sends the message that you love them and care about their well-being. Parenting your kids the right way gives them security and comfort and shows them they can count on you for protection and guidance. They don't always like it, but later they will be grateful. The principles we use to train up our kids all derive from the scriptures. Our standards we live by and teach our kids to live by should come straight from the Bible. All right, guys, I'm going to hit you rapid fire, because these were all just too good. I had to, I had to add them in. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 tells us to teach them using God's word. First Kings 1 through 1, 6 says, tell them what's right and wrong. Psalm 127, 3 says, see them as gifts from God. Proverbs 22, 6 says, guide them in godly ways. Proverbs 29, 17 says, discipline them. Luke 15, 11 through 32 says love them unconditionally. Ephesians 6, 4 says do not provoke them to wrath. 1 Timothy 3, 4 says earn their respect by example. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says provide for their physical needs. 2 Timothy 1, 5, pass your faith along to them. So remember, leading by example is the key element. Don't just teach it, demonstrate it. Train them up well so they will not depart from it. The sixth key. Take care of your children. Taking care of your children is a mom's first ministry and first priority alongside her marriage. Some ways you know you're a mom include sleeping late. On a Saturday morning at 7 a.m. You get up at 5.30 a.m. and are still late for church. <laughs> you know the location of every drive through from the bank, pharmacy, and restaurant, so you can avoid doing the whole car seat to stroller, stroller to car seat thing on every errand. The grocery store becomes a painful, stressful, traumatizing experience. Is that not a word of truth? I hate taking my kids to HIV. I'm like ready to, ugh, I just lose my mind when I go in there. It's just not, it's never fun. And you always spend double the amount of money. It never fails. Um, you go in for milk and you've got like gummies and cheese crackers and just, just happens. Weekly meal plans come from a 20 minutes or less cookbook. Chicken nuggets and mac and cheese become your lunch delicacies. You discover the ability to talk on the phone, give the baby a bottle, and play cards with your toddler all at once. It used to take you an hour to get ready. Now you are excited to just have 10 minutes of uninterrupted time to change your clothes and fix your hair. That is, yeah, I do that every morning. Needless to say, being a mom takes skill, lots of skill. But no matter how exhausted, overwhelmed, or discouraged you get, every diaper change, every dinner cooked, every load of laundry you do matters. It is important that we serve our families just as Christ served us. This is an excellent way for us to model Jesus to our family. And even when you feel like you fall short, know that in your weakness, God is made strong. He doesn't set us up for failure, and if he calls you, he will equip you. So recognize the importance of the call God has put on your life. My kids often get frustrated with me, like most kids do when I push them to eat healthy, go to bed on time, finish their homework, take a bath, brush their teeth, that's a bad—yeah, that one's always bad. Uh, <laughs> limit the TV and video games. That's a constant battle. Um, use their manners, go to church, serve others. The list goes on and on. Uh, we have some pretty against-the-grain rules in our house. We don't allow TV or computers in the bedrooms. There's just too much left open for them to be exposed to. We're kind of, you know, bubble, bubble parents. We have very specific rules set in place about future dating. We have started even at a young age to teach our kids— about what to look for in a spouse, and we model that through a Christ-centered marriage for them. But when they complain and ask why I make them do these things, my answer is simply this. Because God gave me the job and the responsibility to be their mom. It's my job, and I want to do it well. I want to please my Heavenly Father. I want to reflect Christ in my actions, and I want to set them up for success. Everything we do as parents should point back to the cross. Even something as simple as correcting their homework. Making them brush their teeth or playing catch with them in the yard. Let's take care of our children. Embrace it, have fun with them, and enjoy every moment while you have it. The seventh key, take your children to church. I really struggled with condensing this one. This was um, really near and dear to my heart. I actually, um, it took me probably the longest time to work on this one, and I changed it about ten times and and what exactly I wanted to say, and I wanted to pitch it in just the perfect way because it's just such an important element. That, uh, that our family feels so strongly about And I actually ended up telling Felix I think I could just do a whole other sermon On just this topic alone Because it's just, it's so important But um, I'll just share some key points with you guys um, I believe in our culture today Church is looked at as just a place to go When there isn't something better to do Or people think, oh I'll just go when I feel like it It's never a top priority In most average families nowadays But let me ask you If church wasn't that important, why did Christ give himself up for it? Why did the apostles endure persecution and ridicule and torture and even death for the church? Scripture teaches us that Mary and Joseph took Jesus to church. Jesus also said to bring the little ones to him. As Pastor Felix often says, One day your best excuse will be your worst mistake. We tend to allow distractions from life to justify putting church attendance on the back burner. While working and family time should be a top priority, it is arrogant of us to basically tell God those things are more important than Him. Especially when the reality that none of us would even exist if it were not for Him. So for the creation to say to the Creator, sorry, I have better or more important things to do, just seems ironic. And we don't realize what we miss out on. If you are not fully surrendering to the will of God in your life, you are not living life to the fullest. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 commands us to not neglect meeting together. Why is this so important? It strengthens and empowers us through fellowship. With those who have a like-minded faith, it challenges us to grow in Christ. It provides us encouragement, accountability, and discipleship that we all need in order to become better Christ followers. John Wesley said this, There is nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. I know that I would not be the mom I am today if it would not have been for the women in my extended church family that God used to impact my life so greatly. Women that were experienced and loved the Lord, that poured into me and taught me how to communicate, how to discipline, how to disciple my children. Each of us need that. We need a support system. None of us were meant to carry life's burdens alone. Scripture tells us to bear in one another's burdens. It tells us to share and encourage and equip one another. Church is more than just a place to go every now and then, when it's convenient for you. God designed biblical community to be a lifestyle, to be a family that is there for one another. The church was, was created to equip the people of God for the mission of God. I'm going to say that again. The church was created to equip the people of God for the mission of God. So let your church come alongside you and help raise your kids up. If us as parents don't teach our kids consistency and dedication to church attendance, they will likely never see the importance of it, and they too will be robbed of the joy and blessing that God has designed church to be. The eighth and final key, talk to God about our kids. Philippians 4, 6 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Obviously, it's natural to worry about our children. We all do it. We all do To hope and desire good things for them But one of the best ways to help them succeed is to pray for god to work in their life Pray for their salvation for their protection for their relationships pray for their purity preach purity We're not taught to we don't we don't live by the standards of the world We we go by what god's word says and we challenge our kids to stay pure um pray for their future spouse and their purity um, pray for their future in general God is faithful and he hears the prayers of the righteous There isn't anyone else who can pray for a child like their mama James 5 16 the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective As moms, we work so hard to give our kids the brightest future possible. Amen. Who, who knows that's true? Don't we we work so hard every day To give them the best to give them better than what we had, right? But sometimes the best thing we can do for them is to just be faithfully on our knees asking God to do what only he can do for our kids so wrapping this up let's recap what God has revealed to us this morning, I know everybody's ready for lunch So, number one, take time to nurture your heart number two, teach your children God's word number three, talk to your children about God and teach them to pray number four, tell your children about Jesus number five, train your children in God's ways Number six, take care of your children. Number seven, take your children to church. Number eight, talk to God about your children. Motherhood is one of the hardest jobs in the world. It takes constant sacrifice and dedication. But the reward of the end result is worth far more. I'm going to end with this. We're going to watch a video and get the Kleenex out because it's bad. (laughs) Um, Bow our heads and go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for mothers. Um, Lord, you, you just design and fashion and orchestrate everything so perfectly in this world that you created, in the design of family, in the design of a mother and a father, which um, every child needs. Lord, we, we thank you for your guidance. We thank you for your presence in our lives. Um, and we just pray, Lord, that uh, everybody here will learn to nurture their heart, to surrender their hearts to you, Lord, so that they can be the parents and the individuals and the disciples that they need to be for your glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.